varmt välkommen. Du lyssnar på en inspelning från internationell författarscen på Kulturhuset Stadsteatern med författaren Tessa Hadley i samtal med Malin Ullgren, Dagens Nyheter. Mitt namn är Ingemar Fast, jag är konstnärlig ledare för litteraturscenen i detta stora allkonsthus vid Särgelstorg i Stockholm. Låt samtalet ta sin början. Welcome to this evening here with Tessa Hadley. We have the past and mm-hmm. syskorna. <laughs> um, Tessa, this this novel uh, it's it's about uh, four siblings mm-hmm. uh, getting together for about three weeks in yep. in the family's summer house, um, and and that. That theme or trope or however you describe it is 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 a rather classical one, isn't mm. it? I was really aware <coughs> while mm. I was planning the novel that over and again I was using, in a way, quite obvious things. So get four siblings together in an old family house that has family history and make an old cottage in the woods where there are dark <laughs> secrets <laughs> hidden. And in this case, not only the dead dog, the secret of death, but the pornographic magazines, the secret of sex for the children to find. So mm. I sort of, I was relishing mm-hmm. using those things that were things the novel form has used all over and over again and I, I think made richer by using them often. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a complicated line to tread. You don't want to be a cliche, but sometimes there's a, there's a nice sense of having the novel history at your back, in mm-hmm. a way. Mm-hmm. You weren't scared to... I mean, did you, like, reread Virginia Woolf's To the Lighthouse or uh, The Cherry Garden or anything like that, you know, to, I didn't to avoid? No, no. I d- I, that's interesting. I probably should have been scared, <laughs> but I was rash. Uh-huh. I don't know whether you can write without being rash. To be scared, I, I spent a long time in my life being scared of writing and yet writing and therefore not writing very well. And I think maybe maybe the secret is the moment at which one becomes crazy and rash and just do it, just do the obvious thing. That's really interesting. I mean, we're going to, to get back to, to the past. Um, but this you say now about being scared for a long mm. time... Mm. When was that, and when did it end, and well, I how do you make it end? <laughs> <laughs> there, unfortunately, there is no magic. Otherwise, <laughs> I would tell you, or, or maybe I wouldn't. I <laughs> keep it to myself. <laughs> no, there's no magic. I, I, I wrote for years. Mm. I always knew I wanted to write. I had a very flat period in my early twenties when I just thought it was only, you know, only the greats could write, and I would never dare to do anything. And then. And then painfully wrote about four or five novels, mm. which were terrible and never saw the light of day, thank goodness. Um, how, how old were you by then? Kind of starting in my mid-twenties. Mid-twenties? Going on to my... Till, well, I was 46 yeah. when I published Accidents in the Home. Mm. And each time when a dead novel was made... I would resolve to not use myself up and make myself so miserable ever again. I would stop doing this thing. And then a sort of insane persistence is all I can describe. But but I think the failure was that 
loss of nerve trying to write other people's books, mm. having such models, such writers to admire. I was a huge fan of Nadine Gordimer, mm. um, huge fan of J.M. Curtsy, and so I idiotically tried to write British novels that had that kind of political gravitas mm -hmm. and, mm. and global <laughs> reach, and they were mm. awful. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm just not that writer either. So it's a funny, funny, long voyage with no guarantees at all, and then somehow, and I'm not sure I can explain how, you, you, you come home, you fit the key in the door, and the door opens, and it's your own house. However small, whatever it is, that, that's where you belong. And that I, I think it, in a way, it sounds to me, it sounds rather natural to have to become like near 50 or around 45 mm. to, to get to that stage. But so I'm, I'm more impressed with all those young people who actually yeah. write books. I know. I agree, I agree. And, and feel good yes, about them yeah. and confident enough yeah. to let them go yeah. out and I, I have them as my students and they are <laughs> a mystery and a wonder to me. And, and sometimes that extreme youth and that certainty mm. and that story ready to go. Mm. But I, I don't quite recognise it, but I love it. Mm. So yes, not everybody's made... I, I think it depends whether you have an imprint to print on the world but I don't think I am... I think I'm very impressionable. Mm -hmm. That's just my personality. So it mm. all needed to go on pressing on me mm. until suddenly I pushed back. Something like that. Mm. So I, that's why I was trying to write because back Because you, can't, you come from a, a family of writers. It, it, it was, uh, I mean, not writers, but a, a family of, of people with like creative interests. Well, I have an uncle. I have my, yeah. my father's brother mm. is a playwright who... Mm. Is, was in his day very celebrated. Mm. He wrote a play called The Day and the Death of Joe Egg about his daughter with cerebral palsy that uh, somebody mm. knows. Mm. Mm. A very, very good play. Very, mm. He's a, still alive. He's 91. Mm. And he and I write to each other. It's so very I mean, nice. it wasn't that. It wasn't, it wasn't that. You, it wasn't that. It wasn't that. It was... Um, no. No. It no. wasn't a class thing. <laughs> no. I, I don't think it was a class thing. No. Mm -hmm. uh, what was, uh, it was a personality thing. Mm. It was just me. Mm. I've read somewhere that your your mother once told you not to be too nice. Yes, was, I, she did. <laughs> that, I know. And that was actually brilliant because mm. she used to read my failed novels. Mm. And she once said that and I knew that... And so it was about your writing, it not was about, about how no, to it was about my writing. It mm. was about my writing, not about my life. Mm. Um, <laughs> she may have secretly thought the same thing about mm. my life, but mm. it came through the writing anyway. Mm. So... And I listened. I listened, and what I thought that? she was to right. To be too nice when one writes. What is to, that? To 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 be in a subordinate position to your characters and the world you're creating, and be sort of in awe of it, and mm. think, how dare I write this about these people? What do I know? And there's some something very, very bossy and powerful in the actual act of being an author. You take command mm. and you make it happen and you say it's like that. Mm. And that took me a long time, that authority. And I'm not, I'm, I, I'm, my family would report I'm not at all a meek person outwardly mm. and perfectly opinionated and noisy, but I think mm. there was something mm. that was not ready mm. to have that authority until a certain age. Mm. 
And it's a good plan, as long as you live that long. It's lucky the Victorians didn't think like that, otherwise they'd never <laughs> written anything. They'd all have been dead before they got round to it. So. I think it's lovely that you actually, in the past... Um, you have you say Victorian, and that made me think about one of the the young the young children mm. in the novel. She she seems to be a, a writer to be, mm-hmm. and she has this fantasy world, and and mm. she sort of lives a parallel life between reality and her stories. Yeah, that, and that actually, that it's not really a self portrait. I think I was uh, anyway. But yes, I like Ivy. Mm. I did used to dress up. Mm-hmm in funny old clothes and traipse mm. around the place with a sort of scarf around my head and a long mm. skirt on. Mm. Um, as she does. As she does mm. in the book, mm. exactly. So, yes, mm. yes, recognise that. But back to, uh, I really like the title, The Past. Oh. It's sort of surprising that it's not a, a very common title. I know. Because I, everything yeah. is about the past in novels. I know. And I, when I thought of it, 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 it's agony thinking of titles for novels. It takes such a long time, such a lot of brain effort. Mm. And when I thought of it, I liked it so much and I just couldn't believe that when I went and Googled it, I wouldn't find lots of books called no. The Past. But there weren't. There's a lovely Iranian film, very mm-hmm. good film, but mm-hmm. it's um, it doesn't matter. That's no. not a crossover. No. So, yeah, it's a, but it, sadly, it didn't work in Swedish. No. It sort of doesn't have the same no. chunky solidity, I Not suspect. Not at all. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. And equally, exactly the same thing in reverse, in that my working title for a lot of the novel was The Siblings. But that isn't a very good word in English. We don't say it no, very often. You it's don't. You awkward. Say sisters and we brothers. say sisters and brothers. Yeah. Yes, or actually brothers and sisters. Oh, always. sorry. Yes. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course. Um, <laughs> so it was perfect when Maria suggested it. Mm, because it's a good instead. title in yeah. Swedish as well. Yeah. Good. Excellent. Mm. <laughs> I'm so pleased that it, it found its place. It was just waiting for to be put, put into Swedish. Swedish. Yes. <laughs> So these four siblings, yeah. um, h- how would you describe that family? Um, dead parents yeah. in the 40s and 50s, the siblings are, right? Yes, the mm. siblings are in their, I think they're all in their 40s and maybe Harriet's just about 50. I think she must be because yeah. she's seven years older yeah. than Alex, yeah. isn't yeah. she? No, I she's not, she's five. You, of course, <laughs> I've now forgotten all this, but I can assure you I mm. always have a whole page at mm. the back of my notebook while I'm writing a novel where everybody's births and deaths and marriage and oh, everything. Oh, you do? Oh, of course. Mm. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you'd make a terrible mm. mess I of it. I don't know. And, and when I'm reading books, I mm. always work it out when I'm mm. reading somebody else's book. Mm. So, yeah, I think Harriet's 50. Mm. And, yeah, they, their father's still alive, actually, but absent and mm. rather unforgiven by mm. his children for mm. having, understandably, for having abandoned them when, mm. when their mother died and mm. he went to pieces and he sort of left them. Mm. So their, 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 their childhood was, first of all, lived in the shelter of their very strong mother mm. and then she was taken away. Mm. And what I meant to do with that in the book was to... Sim- originally, my plan was to have the whole book set in the present, in 2015, whatever it is. I think it was 2015. Mm. And um, then halfway through, I knew that structurally it was weak in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I sort of had an uncomfortable fortnight mm. panicking about that and thinking, it's not working, something's wrong, it's not working. And then mm. I had one of those lovely hours when I thought, oh, Just give way again. This is like giving way to the obvious. Mm. You know what's crying out to be in the middle. 
is a flashback mm. to their childhood. And what fun you can have with that, because you can have all these adults, mm. suddenly we'll see them as they were when they were little children, mm. apart from the youngest who mm -hmm. significantly isn't born yet. Mm. Um, and I can have their mother mm. actually present, and that will make her absence all the more sort of powerful and haunting in the, in the present of the novel. Mm. Did... I mean, did uh, did the story evolve in a new direction then? Because things are not totally out in the open, and I won't say what I'm thinking about, <laughs> which will make this question a bit complicated. But um, I mean, there there are things that happen. Yeah. I think I must. I, I forget now. Yeah. But I think I must have invented some of those twists. Like I did as I wrote that little. I, there's no other way around it. Yeah, and so yeah. on without saying too yeah, much. Yeah, without saying too much. Yeah. I, I did, and you don't either. No, no, no. But uh, so, so that didn't wasn't planned originally. No, but it came. It obviously, wasn't. Well, I, I can't now imagine the book without that no. holding it together. Mm. So, isn't that funny? The mysteries of the process of writing. Mm. Um, but they they get together uh, at it's an old vicarage. Mm. And Prescord, um in England, uh, near the sea. <coughs> and they're sort of thinking about selling the old place, mm. though you get the impression that it's a wonderful place. Mm. Um, but it's damp. Yeah, and the it's roof leaks. And it costs a lot to keep it going. It costs a lot going. to keep it going. Yeah. And none of them are using it that much. It's mm. sort of... Why aren't they, really? Uh, why aren't they? Um, probably because... Fran's too busy and Roland's too busy and mm. Harriet wouldn't let herself have such a nice time. No. <laughs> and, and, and Alice wouldn't get round to it and, and, and is chronically short of money. So mm. somehow, And they've been there too often and too much and, and they're going to other places. That just happens, I think, in a family. And the truth is, the truth is that obviously in their, the history of each one of them, this house stands for so much... And I hope that by the end of the book, and I'm not spoiling anything really to say they pretty much make up their minds to sell mm -hmm. it, um, one feels a mixture of regret, but a little bit of relief. I think they should sell it. I think it carries so much backstory. I don't them. agree. You don't agree? No. You feel just sad about it? We lost the place like that many years mm. ago, so I don't agree. Well, they may, of course, spend the rest of their lives regretting this. Mm. Sometimes you do it in the spirit of tidying your psyche up. Especially if you're the next generation. Yeah. I think yeah. the younger ones yeah. might question that yes. decision later yeah. on. Yeah, okay, that's mm. very possible too, because <laughs> everything has two sides to it. Mm. But this is a very special situation, I think many Swedes can relate to it. Um, I don't know, the, the summer cottage thing isn't yeah. as big in, no, in England, No, I think is it? it's, I know this from films. And Ingmar so, Bergman. Yeah, and mm. from Ingmar Bergman. Mm. That the, the summer cottage thing is really, really important here, mm. more than it is with us, mm. yes, absolutely. And then you can't be sure that you have a, a two-storey high... Uh, a vicarage, which sounds—I mean, yeah. it's, it's a lot of space. It's a lot of space. In Sweden, we some of us tend to to cram together in mm. like mm. forty square meters. Even better for <laughs> very dark films. Yes, <laughs> very bad weather. <laughs> and but when you read it, when you read a story about it, it, it comes to how how psychologically uh, demanding it can be. Mm. In short, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be with all these people that yes. you sort of love. Yes, but when as soon as you get to your own little sleeping mm. 
room or, mm. or your bedroom. Just, oh. Yeah, absolutely. You know, after dinner, yeah. it's like yeah. spending all days with all these people. And yeah, and I remember, I I remember trying trying to write the sentence which sort of expressed how yeah. when you're not with them mm. all the rest of the year or yeah. you're not seeing them, you have this idea mm. of them and the moment you meet them, mm. you remember all those things about them mm. that you censor mm. when you're not with them. And then no, you but suddenly when you have them here. Yeah, yeah they're, they're mm. right in front of you, mm. annoying you, mm. as even though you love them better than anybody else. Mm. But it's, it's like living in a, a kind of old life as well, you know. Mm. I mean, you write that explicitly that people all of a sudden get together in a dining room mm. and, and use mm. a cloth. With a tablecloth, exactly, yeah, which they would like never use. Yeah, it's you have use. to sort of yeah. <coughs> yeah. be more push about yeah. your, yeah. your daily habits than you usually yeah. are perhaps in, in your mm. ordinary life mm. and uh, sort of go back to something mm. that was normal yeah. 50 or 100 yeah. or 200 yeah. years ago. Yeah, they do. They go back inside an old shape because... Houses and the way houses are set out, having a dining room at all, dictates a whole form of life which is much more than just superficial. It actually has to do... I mean, I also wanted the feeling... What I was really looking forward to writing, although it is the hardest thing and it was the hardest part, is lots of talk. Mm -hmm. Get them talking together, not, not only about each other, which mm -hmm. is quite easy to write, mm -hmm. and their feelings, but also about ideas, mm -hmm. actually. I really wanted them to be talking mm -hmm. politics and talking a bit global and talking mm -hmm. ab about the meaning of things, like, like siblings do. And that's really interesting because there are, there are scenes when, when I sort of blush because I, I relate to Alice, <laughs> who is maybe in focus. Hmm. Um, hmm. No one is owns the book no. but, but she's there she a lot. Is, she is the focus in some sense in yes, some yes. sense she is and, and she has this she, she means well mm. and she thinks that people no longer take care of things mm. and she thinks that we should go sort of make our lives more simple and she thinks about climate change and mm. poverty and you know all that mm. <laughs> most <laughs> of us think about and maybe we, we haven't yeah. thought it through yeah. properly But yeah, we have, and like, you know it's and a her real brother is a yeah, yeah. tad overbearing. Yeah. Yes, and the young man comes into the family, mm. Kazim, who mm. is just her ex-boyfriend's son mm. in that lovely way of modern families. Mm. Um, and to him, it's just so familiar. Mm. Oh, these old lefties—they've mm. been having this conversation around him <laughs> since he can remember, and they haven't solved it. And he doesn't even think they're right, and he's got his own crazy solutions. So I liked having him there. Yeah, like the neoliberal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Snake exactly. sort of. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> in the, in the yeah. lefty yeah. paradise. Or. But it's very, very difficult if one mm. is a person who is, let's say, very worried, and who isn't worried about mm. climate change. How do you put that in a novel? Novels are not very good with big, grand ideas. There are a few brilliant exceptions to that among writers who some Would you mention any? Well, I actually, Curtsy, who I... Although I haven't loved his recent novels, but the, the very... He's always interesting, and the very best of Curtsy's novels seem to me to have... Not, not particularly about climate change, although I would say that's, mm. that's somewhere in, in the background. Mm. Uh, these things don't write well on the page because the novel, almost by its nature, is parochial. It's about a little tiny bit, mm. here and now, in one room, mm. this room specifically, these three people. Mm. So how do, you, how do you paint those large 
global issues which preoccupy us, and it seems mm. a terrible irresponsibility not to put them in a book. This mm. is this is a huge problem for writers, I think, mm. and it's not solved by mm. anybody exactly. Mm. But one one way it occurred to me of at least represent our moment full of those angsts. Mm. You can't solve any of them. You will never find the solution to climate change in a novel. Mm. That will not happen. But what you can have is a record of this moment mm. when we sit round worrying about mm. it. And that's, that's the best I think the novel can do. And um, is that what... We, we talked earlier before we got out here on stage about something called the domestic novel. Mm. Uh, what, what does that mean, actually? Well, I mean, is this a domestic novel, a novel concerning home, family? And as I said to you backstage, I have a suspicion that when women write novels about family and home, they're called domestic novels in a slightly condescending way, and when men write them, they're called groundbreaking and audacious. <laughs> <coughs> but that might be a slightly unfair um, thing. Uh, the novel is kind of domestic, mm. I think, by its nature. Mm. In fact, come to think of it, stories tend to be domestic. You know, Agamemnon and the House of Atreus mm. is, after all, a family quarrel mm. set at home mm. when they come home from war. Mm. But particularly the novel is, is good at the dailiness of things, and it's good at private homes, less good at work. There's another thing novels aren't brilliant mm. at writing, although, you know, there, again, some really good exceptions to that. But work... Mm. Is it's much easier to write novels about women at mm. home before women went out to work. That's mm. why I think so many novelists, women and men, wrote about the hearth, the home, the scene where the children are raised and the emotions are thrashed out, rather than the paper bill. Or but, but that's the key, isn't it, when you say where, where, where the emotions happen? Yes. Isn't that yeah. why, why... Yeah, that's why, well, that's why it writes so well on the page. Mm. Whereas a financial mm. conflict is mm. harder to make good on the page. There, there mm. are some very good. There's a lovely young British writer called David Soloy, who I don't know if you have. I him don't. Over Maybe here. some. Very, else very, does. very, 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 very well. It's it's a funny Hungarian name. S Z A L A Y, mm. and I really recommend him. Mm. He's quite a little bleak, but so good about a novelist. Work. Or novelist, mm -mm. yeah. He writes yeah. about work. Yeah. He writes about men in one of his men, mm. a young man, working for an aeroplane magazine whose only point is to sell advertising for the magazine. The magazine has no content apart from the <laughs> advertising he manages to sell. It's a sort of, you know, it's, he's very good at that sort of satire. Mm. But back to, to the past. Um, this You have picked this particular mix, mixture of, of siblings, mm. of, of brothers and sisters, uh, three sisters, mm -hmm. one brother, mm -hmm. and he's sort of sort of everybody's mm. baby, or they want his confirmation. Yeah, you feel there's a history with that because they do the 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 girls, the sisters talk about how they teased him when he was a little boy, mm. and they sort of teased he him. He was a nerd. Yeah, mm. he was a nerd, and and they, as is often the case, grew up before he did, and were having. Mm relationships and fun in the world mm. when he was you know beavering mm. away at his work and I I think I I actually write that Alice and he were very evenly matched in their mm. cleverness at school mm. until she discovered mm. love and passion mm. while he went on working mm. on his sort of encyclopedia work and then 
they tease him and taunt him, and then something happens so that he becomes powerful mm. in ways that in he's the an world, academic. He's, a scholar. he's an academic uh. and a bit of a, a mm. journalist mm. as well, mm. and and has quite a name for himself, mm. and he's on TV sort of thing. So yes, so he catches up. He overtakes them in the public world. That's and an now he comes. He comes to to this uh, summer gathering with a stunning new wife. Mm. Mm. Uh, who's who's not British? Yeah, not English, not uh, British. Yeah, even <laughs> uh, she's she's an Argentin Argentinian. Mm. Is that how you say? Yes, yeah, it's yes. difficult. Yes, Argentinian. <laughs> uh, Pilar. Yes. How, how do you say Pilar? Pilar. Uh, like that. Yeah, I think <laughs> Pilar. <laughs> yes. Um, beautiful, cold, and mm. tough in a way, mm. upper class. So different from them because they mm. are that sort of Englishness. That is a little bit mm. shabby and mm. and and retro and cobbled together and homemade. It's a whole English mm. thing that, mm. and instead she seems polished and finished and mm. shiny and mm. smart and, and sexy and sexy. Mm. That's right. And whereas Alice has been sexy in her <laughs> own English way, <laughs> uh, this. <laughs> This young, younger, very, very good-looking, very attractive sister-in-law. I'm, I'm afraid the sisters don't react to her very well. They no. just think she's intimidating and that she scares them. But mm. the truth is, she's not very nice, though. She, she's not very nice. <laughs> it's true. But they, I'm with the sisters. <laughs> they do that family thing where you mm. wait till she's gone out of the room and then you have low-voiced mm. confabulations <laughs> about the strange things she said and what's wrong with her. Mm. You know the way families do do that. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it's enormous fun and mm. important for bonding, but it can be a little bit awful if you're the person coming in but, from but outside. But did, did, did you have to... Why, why did you have to have Pilar, so to speak? Mm. Uh, was, was, she, was she there to sort of yeah. mirror some Britishness or...? Well, I think she's there because now I'm thinking about what we were talking about a little bit before, that, mm. that I, all of a whole sort of subplot of the novel wasn't originally there. That was my story. My story is, I think it's all right to tell this bit, that, that Harriet accidentally eavesdrops on her brother making love to his new wife. And Harriet is a, a slightly desiccated, repressed, th those words are too hard, but something like that. Mm. She's, she's had a life as a revolutionary activist and she's disenchanted and in a way nothing's come to take the place of that passion, mm. that political passion. And she, she's weak and in the sense that she has no defences against what suddenly sweeps her away, which is a strange passion for the sister-in-law. Mm. She's never felt anything like it ever before. That's my story. That's, that's mm. the primary story of the book. Mm. And actually, it really seems relevant to say, this, I am not saying this just because I'm in Sweden, but when I first had the germ for the novel, I knew I wanted this country house novel gathering the siblings together. But the crucial seed was that scene where she stands in the dark room with the door slightly ajar, Mm. involuntarily witnessing this mm. lovemaking. It and starts I, I, out involuntarily? It starts out involuntarily, <laughs> then she should shut the door. You're <laughs> absolutely right, and she doesn't. <laughs> and I did have that as a film, and I had it as, an, as a Bergman film, because I just love Bergman. And so mm. I had that scene filmically in my mm. mind, mm. and that, that was very germinal for the whole novel. I can... I, 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 um, when I read, I... 
I could see those scenes, and I was thinking about Philly the Law. <laughs> there we are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm probably too old now, but um, I saw her as as Harriet. Mm. Um, I think it's a good part, isn't it, to play that mm. slightly held, dry Absolutely. person just assaulted by Eros. It's good. good totally. Story. And will there be a movie, a film? I uh, don't think so. But no, 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 options, no, 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 no options. No, no. I think it's difficult because it goes back in time. That puts mm. people off. That could be solved. <laughs> yeah, it could be solved. I, I'm sort of funny. Everyone always wants to know if you've solved a film. And I, obviously, the money is good. But one would be so afraid. What if they make a terrible hash of it? Mm. I don't know. No, I'm, you know, but that, that doesn't mean I'm not open to offers. <laughs> It'll happen, maybe. No, but I, I had uh, it was sort of easy to to picture it uh, mm, as mm. a film. That's good. Um, well, that's because that's mm. I wrote it almost as if I were watching mm. it as a film. And there is a lot of looking and mm. watching and mm, witnessing. Mm, mm, so mm. yeah, you know, yeah, feels I, natural. I, I feel as if there's a lovely kinship between films and novels. Mm. Uh, there are other. Th- I mean, notoriously, a novel is, of course, so much. M- Longer, mm-hmm. so novels don't tend to film very well. Actually, short stories film really well. Mm. That's about the right amount of story to make mm. a film. Mm. But there is a lovely kinship in watching and seeing, mm. um, and observing those those moments that mm. don't quite get articulated in speech. But both the novel and the film, with their very different ways of coming into that matter, can, mm. can get at that. Mm. Um, I was uh, you. Uh, no, siblings. Let's stay with the siblings. Uh, <laughs> because siblings and love affairs and marriages uh, bring up the questions of, of gender and of equality and of how, how men and women interact mm. Mm. Yeah. generally. Uh, yes. Why is that still so interesting in this day and age? What will writers have left to do if it ever ceases to be interesting? <laughs> if it gets resolved. <laughs> if it gets resolved and we're all just getting on in perfect balance, yeah. there will be no more novel form. I no, don't. but maybe. But maybe, mm. maybe. I mean, it it's just such a good subject, isn't it? Mm. It's so... Because difference is where subjects happen. So difference, unlikeness in... Something is is where it, I mean unlikeness between Pilar and mm. the and the sisters mm. is a is generating matter to write. If everything mm. is alike and settled, there's nothing to say. But the minute you drop in your catalyst, mm. and that and therefore men and women is a great subject. Mm. I I I really want to make an effort to to write more men. I think mm. I have mm. mostly. However hard I try, mm. it's it's very natural to me to take the perspective of the women mostly. Mm. In my in my new novel, my next novel, which isn't published yet in the UK, mm. coming out in the in the spring, has it got a title? Uh, it's called Late in the Day in Late English, in and it, it is going to be in Swedish, but mm. I don't know what they're going to call it mm. yet. Um, that is about two couples, mm. so that has two men in. Mm who are important and who I hope I give lots of space to and really enjoy. Mm. Do, you, do you learn anything yourself uh, about these kind of relationships? I mean, you know, men and women, mm. <laughs> when you write? 
Well, I suppose, I suppose, of course, you do. Yes, I haven't. I, I suppose that's what writing feels like as you sit there. It's, it's not as if you think, oh, my goodness, I've never thought that, because that would be very odd. Mm. It's more, ah, that, that inchoate thought. Mm. That's mm. the sentence mm. to put it down. That's mm. the right sentence. Or this sort of is the articulate... It's, yeah. Feelings that beforehand ha yeah. have been yeah unfocused yeah. and suddenly mm. there they are Blurry. perhaps focused in words or or focused in a little transaction in mm -hmm. a little exchange mm -hmm. yeah um, so I've just thought of a good example Marlin mm -hmm. where where Alice who you said you blush for her clumsiness sometimes and where because she I recognise myself she, she finds and of course I do too. Mm. And she finds her brother's letters written when he's a little boy to his sick mother. Ooh. And in <laughs> all the warmth thing. of her sort of sibling feeling, she rushes and starts reading them out to him. Mm. And it's a kind of agony to him to mm. have his little boy words so raw and sad in retrospect, because his mother's actually dying, mm. uh, read out there in the mm. public. And all she thinks she's doing is something sweet. Mm. And all, and he just can't bear it. And, mm. and there's a there's a little scene mm. that seems to say quite a lot about some differences between some men and some women. That's uh, uh, what would that difference be? <sighs> a di well, women. I, I suppose I should just say British women, but I think this is quite universal. Are, are talky, <laughs> and the minute the sisters get together, they mm. are they are talking down into how they are, what it means, what mm. do they feel, what are they. And what Roland wants to do is talk about things mm. um, and outside ideas of outside of mm. himself. I mean, that, you know, there's nothing very original in my saying that, but but to find the little well. scenes that that mm. embody it is fun and interesting mm. to mm. me. And I think you can also say that she has this maybe female tendency of some kind of well-meaning violence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so good. That's exactly right. Mm. Well-meaning violence, exactly that. Intruding something. Because mm. mostly, obviously, the way I just put it, that women talk their emotions out and men take refuge in facts, that sounds insulting to men and as if the women have got all the right on their side. But mm. no, sometimes mm. it's a well-meaning mm. violence, mm. saying the thing mm. that really would be better not said. Mm. Being indiscreet, mm. um, you know, plunging in mm. with both feet when no no you should tread carefully so Th there's you know. another scene um that i really <coughs> that got to me and uh, you talked about it in in the interview that we happened to publish this saturday in dagens nyheter by greta turfjell and it's this scene where jill who the dead the now dead mother mm. uh she she's about to leave her her husband mm. the children's father and she, she she shares the reason with her mother and she says that I, I no longer look up to him mm. and then I mm. can't stay with him. Mm. I've yeah. seen through yeah. all his words. There's nothing yeah. there. Yeah. I used to love it. I used to admire it. Yeah. Now I see through it. And in a way, again, that's you think, well, what were you doing doing that to a man? Mm. No, why mm. wasn't the poor man just allowed to be himself? Why mm. did he have to be your master? That's mm. quite a burden. Mm. And, of, and of course, it's a huge cultural story it's not an individual story it's a big cultural story mm. um but yeah but that's early 70s maybe when she's uh, it's 68 in 68, fact. 68. So, yeah of 68. course it's paris yeah. 68 
Um, She's doing all her emotional work with the children at home, yeah. and he's off and in he's Paris having a revolution. Paris. Yes. Mm. <laughs> As it happens. I can read that bit if you want. Yeah. Shall I and we it? can get back to the thing about admiring thing. Yeah. Because I'm yeah. not sure it's over. No, no, no. It's, it's very interesting, <laughs> isn't it? Okay, so this is a bit from the middle section of the novel when we go back to 1968. And mm. In those late afternoons, their mother sometimes played the piano and the sound came floating out past Alice eating through the daisies in her playpen set on the lawn to where Hetty and Roland were busy in the stream building a dam across it. The music, while it lasted, seemed to frame and characterize their life in a way which was poignant and satisfying, as if they could see it from a long way off. The children were always surprised that their mother could play at all. The piano seemed to speak quintessentially of acres of empty time dedicated to dreamy introspection, which they did not associate with her. Then Jill would break off impatiently when she made a mistake in the middle of some rippling passage, crashing both her hands down on the piano keys crossly and slamming the lid shut. They were half aware that their mother was boiling up with trouble the whole time they were adapting to life in Kington, settling down there. I can't bear this, she said aloud once rather calmly, with her hands still raised in that impressive way, curving and passionate, poised above the notes. What can't you bear, Sophie said. That's Jill's mother. She was patting out a soft dough for scones with floury hands on the kitchen table. Jill had come in to cook the baby's supper and was crouching, banging through the saucepans in a corner cupboard, looking for a small one. Not being able to play through those pieces, I used to know. It's so frustrating. Her mother began pressing a glass into the dough, cutting rounds of scone and setting them out on a baking tray while Jill sat back thoughtfully on her heels on the linoleum with the saucepan in her hand. And that's not all. There's quite a lot I can't bear just at the moment. My husband, for instance, if you really want to know. That marriage is pretty much over, I should say. I made a mistake with Tom and it hasn't worked out, so there we are. She put on a sprightly, debunking voice, as if all this was a subject for a light, bright, clever irony. And Sophie went on, pressing down the glass into the dough, close up each time against the last cut-out round for minimum waste. I knew something was wrong, she exclaimed, but without looking at her daughter. I've decided to come back and live down here, Jill said. And they talk on, and then... that she talks... So... What's wrong? Sophie asked. Jill sighed and put up the cool metal of the saucepan against her face. Well, he sleeps with other women for a start. That's the easy bit. Sophie began stamping out new scone rounds, dipping the glass into the flour bag, grinding it down thoughtfully into the dough. How many other women? Mum, you're funny. What does it matter how many? I don't know. One at least, quite definite, that he's owned up to recently. I found her underwear, if you want to know the sordid detail, in my bed when I stripped it to wash the sheets, all crumpled up, sort of fossilised, because I don't wash them that often, down over the edge at the end, caught between the layers. He brought her home when I took the children off to Candice Markham's for the weekend. They must have hunted everywhere. She had to go home without her knickers. Poor Vanda. She must have thought he'd stolen them to keep in his pocket or something. Frilly red nylon ones that couldn't possibly ever have been mine. In the underwear department, I'm still very much the vicar's daughter in my white cotton. 
I, that's, I didn't know that I would end up just reading about underwear, but that's a good thing for me. I mean, obviously, she has many problems with her husband. Yes. Not only that she can't admire his intellect yeah, yeah. anymore. But that's the real one, I but think, that's the which real I didn't one. get yeah. to read, but that's what she goes on to say. It mm. is the real one. It is the real one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And it's partly from her relationship with her father, mm. where you feel she's the only child and that her father... The vicar. Of the vicar, and that the vicar has poured into his daughter all the nurturing he would have given to a son. There's, and he actually mm. calls her by a boy's name, in mm. fact. Mm. And he taught her Latin and he took mm. around with him on his parish visits. Mm. And, and she needed a husband that could be this kind of mentor, mm. knowing, fount of wisdom. Mm. But, you know, poor man, how can mm. you be that? You're just human like your wife. And if your wife's very clever... Mm going to have a big problem when she sort of but sees through what she, the very thing she's set up for you to be, she mm. will then be angry with you because she's seen through it. And this is late 60s, mm. and I would say that that notion of admiration mm. uh, from a, a wife mm. towards a husband, I wouldn't say that that's over. No. The need for admiration. No, nor would I. No. Those are very, very deep cultural patterns. There's a lovely... Is that what it is? It's not sexual or anything? Or no, what? it's patriarchal, isn't it? You think? Yeah. Yeah. Probably, but you I know, I'm just so. trying out Yes. There's a, there's a wonderful theorist. Alice Munro sh long short story about a very clever girl who falls in love with a very simple, that's the wrong word, but a very, a boy who has never done anything at school. Mm -hmm. He is a country boy. He lives in the back of beyond in a house that's virtually no electricity, you know. Mm -hmm. And he is brilliant. He's beautiful mm -hmm. and gifted mm -hmm. in this wood, woodman's craft, you know. Mm -hmm. And sexually, they are fantastic together. Mm -hmm. What's she going to do with her book learning? Mm. Now, from time immemorial, you can do it the other way round. A brilliant, think of all those brilliant French Impressionist men whose wives were peasant women mm. because they could be beautiful, have children, keep the house, and be a fount of sort of silent wisdom or, or even talky wisdom, but you know. Mm. The, the, the wisdom of the soul, not mm. the intellect. That, mm. that old relationship mm. is, is so ancient. But try it the other way round for clever, educated women to try and take on a man who can just be, well, he, he doesn't read books, he, he, he doesn't think in that abstract way, but I love him for what he is. It Still doesn't work. No. It's, it doesn't work. I mean, it might work. Yeah, there must very be cases. Uncommon. But it's very uncommon, and mm. it's because it doesn't map on, to be political about it, I think it doesn't map on to the patriarchal structures that mm. are so deeply written into our culture. Mm. And still effective or efficient. Yeah, mm. I know. Those things take a long, long time to unlearn, mm. I, I'm sure. Mm. They're probably so much less so than they were 50 years ago. Mm. But maybe not. <laughs> but maybe not. <laughs> mm. Well, probably less, but still there. Yeah, still I'd there, say. but less is what mm. I, I mm. sort of have a hunch. Mm. I think so too. Um, 
Of course, I don't know anything more about this than anybody else. Being a writer doesn't qualify you to know <laughs> anything except about writing, but I couldn't resist being opinionated there. That's, that interests me a lot. But it's also interesting how, how that relationship can sort of give birth to another kind of aggression, okay. that when the person you have admired, when you, you want to admire him, but then you can't, mm. and then, and then you you're angry with him. Yeah, yeah. And you move and between the two positions, mm. between admiration mm. and contempt. Mm. I've seen that happen. Mm. I seem to remember it happening in Ibsen, apart mm. from anything else. <laughs> so it mm. has been going on a long time. This mm. struggle. Mm. Yes. Um, you write about families <clears throat> um, and relationships. Um, how how do you, do you, I mean, how much do you use your own family? Um, not, not directly, very much. You're not a vampire, not a... Um, I, I don't Most think Most writers so. are, aren't they? Well, I don't know. No, I mean, yes and no, I'm drawing on it all the time, but not very directly. And then just occasionally I've written things. I sometimes, my, my father was had a shop. I've never written about that, actually. But he was also rather... He was a good jazz trumpeter, a semi-pro, and mm. I've, had, I've had a father figure who plays the jazz trumpet quite mm. often in the books. Um, I use my mother's dressmaking. She was a dressmaker, so I've written particularly short stories with, with dressmaking mm. as, um, on the domestic half. Mm. Um, but no, I haven't... I, you have to be careful, apart from anything else, because... You love these people, mm -hmm. <laughs> and you don't want them to. You don't want to hurt them, or 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 have them. No, you don't want to. You know, you you depend on your children. You may need them to look after you one day. I think <laughs> like, that's actually that's what Alice Munro said. Said it's fine to write about your parents, but you shouldn't write about your children. So mm -hmm. that's true. But nowadays, I mean, some do. But did you? Yeah. Are, are you? Well, I don't well, know, I've is, never, is that I've more old-fashioned or is it just a, an ethic I think it's, it's an ethic that doesn't cause me very much grief. I, there are things in my family that I just would never write because it would be wrong. Mm. And, but it, it's not as if I'm thinking, oh, now I've got nothing. You don't I've have to nothing. sit on your hands and like, oh, I wish I could use this material. One or two. Mm. There are one or two things. Mm. There are, but mm. they can wait <laughs> or, mm. or whatever. Mm. There is so much to tell. Sto families, I mean, I know so many families and, mm. and I know so many stories, not just my own, so I can borrow them from here or there. That's what I'm, that's what I'm really doing all the time, is just making patchwork mm. and plenty of my own family in the patchwork mm. along with everybody else mm. and, and things I've read and things I've seen and sometimes the most odd inspirations because although I write this quite sort of domestic mm. realism, mm. for instance... I once wrote a story which became the first chapter of Clever Girl, which was the novel before this one, mm. which actually was based on an article I read about the sister of the King of France, the little boy who was executed, so Louis Seventeenth, I suppose he was. And it was about his sister and how she lives on and has seen her parents taken off to the guillotine and this little boy disappeared and never saw him again. And what she was like in her later life, where royalists would come and sort of kiss her dress... And she, she had great, she wasn't highly intelligent, but she had great dignity. Mm. Now, what, that's not my terrain. So I just mm. translated all that into a working class family and 
Bristol where a little boy had died and mm. his mother had this dignity mm. and other people came weeping to her about what had happened and she, she didn't weep in response. So mm. it's amazing where you can get stories from. Mm. Uh, yeah. But you're an imaginative person or imaginative kind of writer. Not all are. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't think I have a huge palette, but I, I, I love stories. Mm. I love stories. Mm. I listen to people's stories and, and chop them up and use them. and Borrow them. Borrow, thank you, <laughs> borrow them, as if I'm going to give them back one day. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, we had, there was this other scene that we... Yeah, would, would you like to, yeah. to read us read another that. passage? Yeah. Because I have a question about it, yeah. but we have to hear it first. <laughs> this is, we're in the present now, so I think 2015, whatever, and this is Alice, who was in her playpen eating the daisies in the first scene, but now she is in her 40s. This is between her and her sister Harriet. Alice went inside to brush her hair before supper. She remembered, as she always did, that her mother had sat at this same dressing table, first as a girl, and then again later when the children spent their summers here with her and their father went off painting. Slanting late sunlight glinted on Alice's bottles of scent and makeup and nail varnish, the luster jug with its posy, gold threads in a scarf, the heap of her jewellery, none of it valuable, but each piece striking and interesting, rich with sentimental associations. Wherever Alice settled, she had this gift of applying little touches to make the place distinctive and attractive, as if she were composing a scene for a play. She had moved from one room or flat to another very often in London, transforming each one in turn into a nest full of curiosities and nice things. Looking in the mirror now, she held her brush suspended in the air, staring over her reflection shoulder to the reflected room behind. Her fine hair crackled with static, floating up towards the brush. Breaking her mood, Harriet was suddenly present, blocking the reflected space in the mirror, intruding on her reverie. Of course, it wasn't Harriet's fault that she had to come through Alice's room, but she crept about so quietly because Alice was startled, she couldn't help feeling annoyed. Harriet made her feel caught out in vanity. She dropped her hairbrush and twisted round from the mirror. Goodness, are you spying? I thought I ought to tell you, Harriet said gruffly, that I've arranged with work to take more holiday, so I will be able to stay here longer after all. Guiltily, Alice was aware of overacting her delight. She jumped up from the dressing table stool to kiss her sister, feeling how Harriet stood stiffly in her embrace, not knowing how to yield to it. Oh, Hetty, I'm so pleased, thank you, she exclaimed, and I know I don't deserve you doing anything nice for me. I'm a grumpy old stick, I'm sorry. I didn't do it for you, Harriet said. It's good for me to have a break. I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> she didn't much look like it, Alice thought. She looked strained, and there were purple stains on the fine skin under her eyes as if she hadn't slept. Alice hoped this wasn't because she'd been put in that awkward, pokey bedroom. She had some clever concealer which would work wonders with those under eyes, but she was wary of offering it, thinking Harriet would only despise her. Harriet prodded around among the bottles on the dressing table. 
I've never gone in for any of this clobber, she said. What is it all? Alice was watching her closely. Look, she said, sit down on the stool. Let me try something on you, just the least little thing. It's only the teeniest smudge of cream. No one will notice, you'll just look prettier. Harriet's expression as she hesitated brimmed uncharacteristically full with mixed reluctance and yearning. She gave way and sat submissively with her back to the mirror. Alice rummaged in her makeup bag and then very carefully, tenderly stroked on the concealer and after that a very light foundation, eye pencil, eye shadow, mascara. Their two faces for once drew uninhibitedly close without any antagonism. Harriet's vulnerably proffered, Alice absorbed in what she knew supremely well. Oh, no, Harriet said with horror when finally she looked at her reflection. It isn't me. It isn't right. Take it off, Alice. <laughs> this is the scene about intimacy and about being female. Yeah. I was just thinking as I read, it's mm. another thing women do mm. is perform and prepare the performance of themselves, dress and make their faces mm. up. Some of them do and some of them withdraw from the performance like Harriet, but perhaps yearn for it sometimes in mm. some contexts. There is a rather gruesome or terrible scene towards the end of the book, mm. not going to, to spoil it <laughs> completely. Just, just a yes, tad. I'll be careful. <laughs> mm? um, where Harriet, uh, well, we have we have already said that that she mm. she's uh, passionately and um, you know totally unprepared becomes mm. in love with uh, <clears throat> or very attracted to to her her sister-in-law Pilar, and she she tries to 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 come close to her mm. sexually. Mm. Um, and afterwards, not going to say if it goes well or not, um, she has she she thinks about how impossible it, it can feel for, for someone who, who feels plain, who, who mm. is plain or who mm. feels plain, mm. Mm. Uh, to cross the threshold mm. to, to beauty, mm. as if those are completely separable things that, that can never sort of merge. Why, why, why did you make her think that, or what is that notion? I just find that very poignant and very interesting and another very deep fact about femaleness. Mm. Men, men compete, perhaps, you know, to overgeneralize, but through power mm. and authority and status perhaps mm. and women they have to deal with this lottery mm. <laughs> of looks mm. it, it, it isn't quite as simple as that of course because also it's also about how you feel and mm. Harriet doesn't feel beautiful no but sometimes it feels as it if it is as simple as that doesn't yeah, it it does it does and that's no matter that's how old you are or, yeah and think how many Heroines in how many novels are beautiful and the brave books where they're not. 
Jane Eyre, for mm. instance. Oh, the, only, yeah. the only example I could yeah, really think yeah, of. Yeah, and, well, and Villette, even, mm. even more so, Charlotte mm. Bronte's other strange, sad book with no happy ending. But fantastic. Fantastic. I yes. like it even better, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yes. Well, you I don't know, have to pick one, right, but it's... it's braver. Yeah. It's more extraordinary. Mm. More extraordinary, mm. yeah. To, to be such a huge person mm. in hiding, mm. in hiding under a plain, unloved exterior. Mm. What, a, what a great It's thing a brilliant to write. novel that we yeah. recommend it, yes. don't yes. we? Yes. Very thoroughly. <laughs> We're a we now, yes. <laughs> after yes. an hour. No, but it's really interesting. Yeah, she's a plain, she's a plain woman. Yeah. Um, but you're, there aren't very many. Mm. There aren't very many plain women who, who are not, you know, sidekicks or best friends. Mm. But is, is, do you think, because, I mean, Pilar seems to be a woman who is... Do you think that Pilar is as aware of that threshold between plain Harriet and herself, the mm. beautiful Pilar? Yes, I, I do. think so. Mm -hmm. She knows the power of she beauty. She plays with her. There's a scene where they're sitting on Harriet's bed and Harriet takes her hand and admires her mm. hand and... Mm. Um, I know that the the other woman is playing with her. She mm. knows. She knows. Mm. Yes. I and think she, she knows that she's sort of empowered yeah. because of her beauty. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But but it's so complicated because it's more than it is also the extraordinary performance of beauty. It's about the jewelry you wear and the the way you carry yourself and the way your clothes sit on you. And I've, j I've just written a little scene in a short story. My, the last short story I wrote had, had a girl awakening to that, looking at her loved, happy mother's soft, frayed, dreary old shirt, mm. and then looking at another woman's white-pressed, crisp lace cuff with a gold braid, and seeing these are codes. Mm. They are two codes for two ways of taking life. Mm. And that's so deeply fascinating as an initiation for young girls. Mm. Uh, you uh, teach writing as well. Mm -hmm. uh, you have, you, you're a professor at Bath Spa University, yes. it's called, yes. since 2016. I've actually, but I've actually been teaching at Bath Spa for much too long. Mm -hmm. I'm sort of, I'm actually winding it down. Mm -hmm. It's time, I think, that I that I stopped doing that, but, but I have loved it. I've been there since 1997, and in fact, before, because I was a student there as well. Mm -hmm. It was a bit of a watershed for mm -hmm. me. So, um, yeah, I've loved the teaching. It's lovely because writing's soli solitary, mm. and... Doesn't um, it comp I mean, I, you know, knowing all these technical things that you can think of, think about while writing and teaching it, and can, can't it be sort of... Um, no, a problem when you're going to write yourself. I, I, I've, I've never had that. I think it can be. I mm. think some people find it a problem, but I've always been able to keep a very, very watertight compartment. Really? They feel very, very separate. Or rather, all the commerce is one way. I mean, obviously, I am teaching as the writer I am with the things I feel that I've learned over the years mm -hmm. and my instincts. But... When I'm sitting down to do my own writing, I'm not thinking about teaching or anything like that, mm. or, or techniques. I, mm. nobody, no writers think in terms of techniques, actually. Mm -hmm. you just, what you think with each student's book is, ha, huh, this book, okay, 
Maybe, maybe in another, in my real life, I wouldn't, this is not my kind of book, I don't love it, but, but here it is. Mm. I can see what's good in it. Look, mm. she's doing that really well. That's mm. a good paragraph. That's mm. good. This story is quite good, but there's a big hole in it there. Mm. That's what you're, it's editorial mm. in a way. Mm. It's like a very hands-on editing thing. I hope that's, I hope that the editors in the audience would, would feel I'm not encroaching on their territory. <laughs> it's, it's an editorial at a different level. Mm. But it's, you can really, really help people to write a better novel. But it, it's not because you're, you're drawing their attention to things. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, very, very important is the tone and the positioning of the narrative voice. And are you going to have... You need to make up your mind. You know, you're going to have one person telling this story. Is mm -hmm. it all going to be through her? Or are you going to have mm -hmm. lots like I have in here? Or, mm -hmm. you know, it, it saves people years of working all this out for themselves mm -hmm. to, to push them mm -hmm. with that. So you can really help to make a novel better, but it isn't because you give anybody, you know, instructions. They just do, aren't. Do you any. ever feel envious that all these? I mean, as we were talking about uh, when we started off here, with all those young people writing, being confident, and all that, when you weren't hmm. like that, no. do you envy them no. or do you just? No, I don't think I do. I love it. Oh. I love them when they're like that. <laughs> mm. But I, I actually feel so lucky. I feel so lucky that I can't believe how lucky I am to be able to write. That's such a blessing that came to me quite late. I, I'd had a whole, you know, Bronte-length life and a half <laughs> before. <laughs> so, ah, mm. un unbelievable joy. So, I don't feel envious of anybody, actually. Oh. <laughs> <That> <laughs> applause. <laughs> that sounds like asking for trouble to me. So if there's a god up there, I'm, it's not really hubris. Ha, were you always like that, or is that you know focusing on your own and not being envious? Is that no? I used to be so envious of people who could mm. write, of the writers, mm. so eaten up mm. with longing to mm. to be able to write. Actually, mm. so it was terrible, and then it wasn't, and then it was. Not terrible, and that's lovely. But now you, as you said, you 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 want to teach less, uh, mm. and I suppose that's in <coughs> in order to get more time to your own writing. I, to be fair, I've the the teaching I haven't I've for a long time only done it in half the year, two days a week. It's really really very Sounds manageable. Perfect. Yeah, it's really <laughs> perfect. But I almost feel I'm maybe I hear myself saying the same things. Mm. And I have some elderly parents. They need a bit more time. It's it's kind of fitting everything in. Mm. And I'm a grandmother, so there's that too. So lots of things to fit in. Mm. But you, how, how much time do you spend writing? I mean, these are big things mm. to take care of. If, if mm. you want to be close mm. to your grandchildren and you have elderly parents, that yeah. takes quite a lot of time. Yeah. But then you how have much to is be quite greedy and selfish. And you have to try... For as much, you, just as many days as you can get, four hours a day, and that's that's four hours a four day. Four hours a day, yes. Why, why four hours a day? I don't know. It just seems that that seems to be an hour where you re-enter the person who wrote those words yesterday. Mm. When you first lived, you think, "Was that me? I can't remember." And then you 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 work your way back in, sometimes by fiddling around with mm. what you did. And then like moving after, a comma or... Yeah, moving the comma. Mm. In English, changing ED to ING and then changing it back to ED. I, I, I <laughs> that's most of my time seems to be taken up doing that. And, yeah. and then by the end of four hours, you're, you can feel yourself less good flagging. 
it's really, it's, you know, it's very lovely work, but it's very, it's quite exact. That you're no good anymore? Or, yeah, no, just that you, you're tired. You're tired. Yeah, the words tired. don't... Yeah, yeah. They don't Usually, happen. Yes, or, yes, mm? something like that. Hmm, yes. That's interesting. Hmm. Uh, so, do you start off like eight o'clock? And no, no. <laughs> I'm so lazy. Um, I, when I, of course, when I had young children, mm. and I was writing the awful novels, um, I just had to fit my writing time into what time there was. So mm. then I was disciplined. But mm. I look back on that with sort of incredulity because I'm actually quite an idle person, mm. despite what I've said about elderly parents and grandchildren and everything. I'm, mm. I'm sort of. I'm sort of an idling, drifting person. So mm. I tend to have my breakfast in bed and read something, and my husband brings it to me, which just goes to show it's that lovely power, if you power can do balances it. are changing mm. over time. Mm. And he brings me my breakfast, and I read something, and then I sort of get up and start whenever. It doesn't matter when you start. As long as you start, the, the real dream is to just start then. Don't look at any emails. Don't look at the news. Above all, don't look at the news. Cell phone just aside. It, as mm. Absolutely aside. Mm. It isn't always, I'm not always as disciplined as that, but that's, that's a good day. That's mm. how it should be. Mm. And, and always, once you're writing, you must not look at the phone or the email or whatever. Mm. And, and do you manage to do that? Yeah. Mm? I have something good on my... Is that something you've learned over time or have you always been able to focus? I think you do get better at it over time. Mm. It's a practice yes mm. but there is also something you can do on your apple mac which yeah, doesn't yeah. allow you mm. i got that from zadie smith mm. she told me mm. it's called self-control but it actually is the opposite because it just stops you it's you because you don't trust yourself because you don't mm. trust yourself mm. exactly. yeah you do something i've never tried yeah. you do something yeah. so you don't yeah, you just download this thing called self-control and then you, oh, is it you actually called it's actually called oh. self-control isn't it lovely yeah and then you you just turn it on for four hours and you can't access the internet Mm -hmm. It's it's a bit of a <laughs> yeah. It's good. It's it's good, good but scary. Uh, yeah. Mm. The world, well, I work the world at the newspaper, so it's yes, you know, it I makes know, me nervous. You can't. You no. can't do it. You can't do it. I know. Mm. But it's interesting to think about maybe doing it sometime. Maybe just, you can just do one hour. You know, mm. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to be four hours. Um, we have. Well, a few minutes left, and maybe I should have said this when we started off, but if, if there are any questions from the audience, I think Tessa would be happy to answer them. Mm. Wait, wait for the microphone, please. I wonder if I can ask you about something related to Fran. Yes. Because it seems to me that in the past when Jill has decided to leave Tom. Yes. You only speak about the other children. Mm. And then when she phones Tom and asks him to come and fetch her, is Fran born after she returns to Tom? Yes. Yes. Okay, because that's something that is never clarified no, in the novel. No, she doesn't exist. She doesn't exist there in no. that middle so portion I wonder, at all. I wonder why you omit Fran from that section altogether, never let us know. Well, partly, she literally doesn't exist, so nobody in that section can make any reference to her because she's not there. Um, and I'd, if you haven't, you know, there is a sort of bit of guessing work you can do with what's happened in that section, which I won't go any further because I want to spoil it for anybody. 
But it's like a, it's like a little wicked bomb that I've planted in the story. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else has got a question? Somebody in On the there. Well, I want to thank you, thank you very much. It's, the your book has taken me the, the, the weekend, and my family, well, they accepted it. <coughs> uh, but there are so many things I would like to ask you about. But, um, well, for example, the relation between Harriet and Christopher is very mm. diffuse, mm. but maybe it should be like that. But it was one thing that uh, happened when I, I was only around page uh, 70, I think, when I noticed something that I never ever reflected on in another book. And it was when uh, it was said that uh, Roland and Pilar is making <coughs> the, the meal for the day. Mm. They were cooking or they were frying chicken in the mm. oven <coughs> with apple, apples and uh, yes. I think grapes. And then Harriet and Alice went to the market and bought fish. And I really couldn't understand why, because <laughs> fish you should cook the same day, because they well, maybe they had an exquisite uh, uh, fridge, but uh, it was so, so strange for me, and ne never ever I thought like that when I read anything else, and it made me so really close to them. I, I know that I made one mistake that somebody picked up between the hardback and the paperback in English where I had, I had Fran peeling potatoes in the first scene and then they had pasta with tomato sauce. So you may have just stumbled along another... I can't... I need to look at it and see, is that... that so that's happening on the same day? The fish and the... Yeah, I thought that maybe <laughs> there was another day. I quit, I, I reflected They'd obviously that. just put it in the fridge Ma rather maybe. riskily <laughs> no, <what>? and <laughs> hope that it'll still be all right the following day. Well, maybe I, I read too fast because maybe it's another day. But what, what struck, uh, struck me was that it was close to me. Mm. I, I really never reflect if So you were actually worrying about the housekeeping. <laughs> yes, sure. This fish is going to go off. There's no way <laughs> exactly. they can safely eat that. That's very lovely. Exactly. I feel that's a huge compliment, although at the same time I'm slightly upset that I might have made that mistake. Well, uh, I, I, I noticed that it never happened to me before, that I was so much absorbed by something I read that I worry about that fish. <laughs> You know, there's, a, there's, a, there's an English writer, and I don't know whether you read her in Sweden, called Elizabeth Jane Howard, who wrote the Casale series of novels, which are a great family saga. Really, really good in parts, and perhaps a little slow and in other parts. But she becomes so preoccupied by these householdy issues that sometimes she'll literally write a paragraph which says... So when they came for Christmas, so-and-so and so-and-so -so could have the front bedroom and she would have to put the children <laughs> in the back bedroom, but they wouldn't... And you're thinking, it's all right, you don't need to tell us all that. But you can see that it's become so real to her. And I had, as I wrote the past, plans 
of the floor layout of the house, making it all work, making sure the doors opened into the right places and that there were the right number of bedrooms. And I kind of, I love the parallel between housekeeping and novel writing. I think that's really <laughs> rich, actually. Maybe one last before we say goodbye for the evening, if there are any. There's a lady at the back there. Mm. What, do you want the to microphone. wait for the, the mm. mic? And the... How close do you work to your, uh, with your translator, your Swedish translator? Not, not able to work closely at all because I just don't read any... I can look at the page and I can see enough words to know where I am. But that's about it. But everybody tells me that it's a lovely translation, so that's very nice to know. And I love the sound of Swedish, but I feel apologetic. I'm, I'm so sorry that I'm so ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> I can, read, I can read my French translation, and I can just about read my Italian translation, uh -huh. but that's, that's all. That's I wondered if your, your um, Wadström and Wiedstand, if they helped you in some way, if it works like that, that the what, what publisher works... What usually happens is the translator will send a few questions where... Okay he or she, you, she in this case, uh, you know, they, they don't, they, they want to make sure they've got the right nuance of what okay. you mean with something odd that you say. Or, yeah, so, so it's, lov it's always lovely to answer those questions actually because you feel that a translator gives you the best reading you could ever have. I mean, they are really thinking about just what you mean by each <coughs> sentence. So, so nothing could be more full that, than that reading. So I, I love the act of translation into, an, into another language. I read lots in translation myself, and I know it's not as good as reading in the original, but it's, we have to do it. We, have, we, we can't know all the languages, and we, we, have to, we have to live with that. And so therefore, it's such a civilizing act to take the, the thought out of one language and mm -hmm. struggle to put it into another. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm very important. Yeah, mm -hmm. very important. Translate like this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, I envy all of you, who, if there are any here, who haven't uh, still read this wonderful novel. I really Thank enjoyed you, reading it. Thank you. And, um, you said there was a new one coming in, mm. in Britain, in the UK, this spring. Yes. The upcoming spring. When? In August. Augusti. In Swedish. Lovely. Really looking forward Wonderful. to it. Wonderful to meet you and to have you here. Thank Tessa you, Marlene. Thank you for lovely <laughs> Thank questions. You. Thank you. Lovely discussion.